Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is September 25th. 2015, and we're very pleased to welcome for the first time Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing, an innovative strategy for higher returns and lower risk. Gary's uh, headquarters is in Vancouver, British Columbia. Gary, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. I'm happy to be here. So, Gary, uh, about all I know of your background is uh, your Harvard MBA. Fill in the blanks, will you? Sure. Um, I started in the investment business in the mid-1970s as a broker with Merrill Lynch and then Smith Barney. Uh, Then I had an opportunity to uh, get my MBA degree from Harvard. I started managing money part-time while I was there uh, with a stock option program that I developed. And I didn't have to go get a job after that. I just continued uh, with the private hedge fund for a number of years. And when that market became a bit more efficient, I became a commodity pool operator, developed some uh, ways of allocating capital in the best way to uh, multiple traders. And I worked with some of the best traders in the world then, like Paul Tudor Jones, Richard Dennis, Louis Bacon, John Henry. I was uh, able to semi-retire after about 10 years, uh, having done very well, and did some fun things uh, along with uh, some business things. And then about eight years ago, I stumbled across momentum in terms of... uh, academic research that had been done. I was already familiar with uh, some of the practitioner uh, working with Momentum. So I, I read through all the literature and I figured there was a better way to do it. So I, I conducted a big research effort and wrote up a couple of papers which uh, won prizes from the National Association of Active Investment Managers. Uh, one year I got the second place award and the next year uh, they gave me the, the first place Wagner Award. Okay, well... uh, Last year I wrote a book, as you mentioned, uh, Dual Momentum Investing, so that uh, anyone can go out and apply momentum principles themselves. 
Okay, well, we're certainly aware of uh, National Association of Active Investment Managers. We attended their conference uh, earlier this year and have uh, interviewed several of, the, several of their people, and we're very cognizant of the importance and the quality of the Wagner Award. And congratulations for being uh, a finalist or better uh, with that, because we know that the competition is, is very, very strong there. Thank you. So, uh, so uh, tell us, uh, Gary, what does momentum investing mean well it means different things to different people so we we should clarify uh, what I mean by momentum momentum in, in a generic sense is thought of as persistence in performance so it's been used for many years by practitioners who just identified it as finding something that was strong now, in the academic world, they took a little different approach. They wanted to look at it in a more rules-based way that could be tested and replicated. So the first momentum research that was carried out academically was in 1937 by Cowles and Jones. They found that stocks that had performed well during the preceding month, uh, 12 months tended to do well uh, in the coming year. Uh, they published that in uh, economic journal at the time, and it was promptly forgotten about for many years because people in the academic world generally didn't think you could beat the market. But that all changed with the advent of behavioral finance in the 1980s and 1990s. So in 1993, there was a seminal paper out by Jagadish and Titman in which they showed the same thing that Cowles and Jones had showed, that if you look back over the preceding 3 to 12 months and you measured performance, things that did well in the past tended to continue doing well in the future. Okay. Now, the, the question I always have when I hear that, and, and, and by the way, uh, people often use the term momentum and the term trend following and the term tactical as somewhat synonymous. Are they synonymous to you and in your book? Well, they're similar. I, I don't think uh, academics would want to associate momentum with uh, trend following because they, uh, they all accept momentum now uh, because, in, the, in a sense, that form of momentum is just relative strength. In a, in a way, it's trend following because you are identifying the strong trend of one thing versus another, but they don't tend to look at it that way. There's a, there are actually two types of momentum. There's what we call relative momentum, and in the literature sometimes it's called uh, cross-sectional momentum, where you're looking at different things and comparing them to one another. And then there's trend-following or absolute momentum. In the literature, sometimes it's called time-series momentum, where you look at a single asset over time, and you say, all right, has that been going up? over a certain amount of time, typically one year. And if so, that means the trend is positive. Now, what I did was combine the two together. I looked for the strongest assets using relative strength momentum, and then I imposed a filter on that, saying even though they're strong, we don't want to be in them if the trend is down. So we also look for positive absolute momentum. And when you get the two together, you get the best of both worlds. You get... Uh, an enhancement to performance through both types of momentum, and you get a reduction in bear market 
volatility and drawdown, which you can only get through the trend-following type of absolute momentum. Relative momentum won't give you that. Okay. Well, you know, the, the uh, Gary, the, the, the million-dollar question that I always have when we talk about momentum or even trend-following kinds of things is what if the momentum is up for the past six months, but it's down for the past three weeks? Well, that's a good question, um, and uh, we don't care too much about the past three weeks because that's really noise in the data. And, in fact, studies have shown that on a daily or even a weekly basis, stocks perform in the opposite manner to momentum. They tend to be mean reverting. So, in fact, uh, what we what I'd prefer to do is to buy uh, using that scenario that you've just mentioned where you have strong momentum over six or 12 months and some short-term weakness well that, that that's very interesting here so so for an investor without giving away too much of your secret sauce here uh for an investor what's a good time frame to look at well i use in my book a, a 12-month uh, window that's been supported through academic research going back over 200 years now, both on relative momentum and absolute momentum. Uh, academic research is very rigorous because when other people go out there and do research, it's generally not on a lot of data, and they tend to overfit models and overcomplicate them. But academic research uh, really gets to the heart of what works and what doesn't work, and they look for validation in other markets. They look for robustness. And so I just accept 12 months because it's it's commonly used, and it was first used in 1937 by Coles and Jones and has held up over the test of time since then. Gary, hold that right there. We need to stop for a short break. We're talking with Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guests. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing. So, Gary, uh, the, the question is, uh, first of all, let's ask, can this be applied to exchange-traded funds and mutual funds in, in addition to individual stocks? Actually, it's, it's better applied to uh, ETFs and mutual funds than to individual stocks. With individual stocks, you have uh, high transaction costs since you have to get in and out of uh, a large number of stocks over time. The turnover can be over 300% a year, and those stocks tend to have wider bid-ask spreads. So I very much prefer 
to deal with ETFs and mutual funds. And what, what, what kind of, does your strategy include uh, when to exit, when, when, uh, when it's down 10% from its top, or when other, is it a tactical thing where other stocks are moving or ETFs are moving faster than this one? What's kind of the exit strategy business model? Well, it's kind of like being on a uh, fast-moving train. You uh, just wave to the people and enjoy your ride, and if another train comes by that's going faster and you want to get to your destination quicker, you hop onto that instead. And by always being on the fast train, uh, you'll be able to accomplish what you want to do. Now, sometimes that train will come to a halt and start going backwards. That's when you want to step out onto the platform. So by having both types of momentum, we do that. When stocks are, let's, since we're talking about stocks, when stocks are going up, we'll go with the strongest uh, asset class. Uh, in my book, I show how to, how to use U.S. stocks versus the rest of the world, and you will be in whichever of the two is, is stronger. And then when stocks are no longer going up, based on the criteria of absolute momentum, we stand aside and we'll go into short to intermediate term fixed income until stocks get going again to the upside. Very interesting. So, so tell us, what services do you offer to investment investors and investment advisors besides this particular book? I license my models to a few hedge funds and registered investment advisors. I'm in discussions with uh, someone about uh, creating an exchange-traded fund using my strategies. Right now, the best way for investors to utilize what I have is to buy my book. There are actually step-by-step -step instructions on how people can go out and do it themselves using the largest, most liquid ETFs uh, that are available. So I see on your website, Gary, uh, the, the, for example, you've got a global equities momentum strategy. So that's not a strategy that people can invest into through you? They don't need me. They can read Chapter 8 of my book and easily do it themselves. It takes one or two minutes a month. I explain how you can use a, a charting package that's available online just to uh, see what to do every month. Gary, I've got to congratulate you out of our 100-plus interviews. You are the first one to ever say investors do not need you. They just need your book. <laughs> Usually it's, it's been the opposite. They need me to implement these things. So that, uh, That's unfortunate. The industry is kind of built around that. And uh, I don't know if people, uh, I, I don't think I'm worth it, and I, I don't know if others are either. When you can go out uh, and purchase exchange-traded products and pay from 5 to 10 basis points a year, why should you pay so much more than that to, to get something when all you really need is a model? And, but you do have to have the discipline to stick with it. So can this uh, strategy be used for commodities such as precious metals, gold, etc., and can it be used for fixed income investments as well? I have a dual momentum fixed income model that I post results for on my website. Uh, it works very well in the fixed income market. Commodities are, are a little trickier because uh, momentum works but with uh, somewhat different parameters. However, the whole CTA uh, industry is built up around momentum 
Uh, it's they just use different types of models. And so, do you recommend that people move uh, tactically? That they they move in, a, in and do you use these with sectors? For example, I would think sectors would in the U.S. Uh, economy would work very well here. Do you use those a lot? Yes, uh, momentum is successful with almost everything, and ty- in fact, both types of momentum are. Uh, Absolute momentum or trend following doesn't work as well with value investing, but with most other types of investing, it, it works uh, very well. So you can do it with uh, pretty much anything that you want. However, what you really want to do over time is capture the highest risk premium. And research has shown, uh, for instance, uh, Jeremy Siegel in his book, uh, uh, Stocks for the Long Run, he shows that the highest returns have been earned from stocks, particularly U.S. stocks. So that's really where you want to be if you want to maximize your return over time. Okay. And so so tell us, let's pick a particular example, not to put you on the spot, but just talk to us about it here. Uh, gold peaked, I don't know, two, two and a half years or so ago, and it peaked at, uh, what, just under 1,900, something like that. Today it's under 1,100. Um, your model showed to exit for anybody who was in gold to exit about when? Oh, I'd have to go back and see, but um, it's been quite a while. If you if you go, give me a moment, I can uh, bring it up because uh, we don't. Gold is not a, a major por- part of uh, what I do. It's not part of the gem model, for instance. There are some of some of my models where gold can come into play. So okay. Let me, let well, well, p- 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 last time it last time it was in gold was briefly in 2012 for four months. Um, okay. Uh, can you recall uh, what, what the uh, month was of the signal in 2009 uh, when it said to get back into the market after the uh, financial meltdown? Back into the market, the uh, the, the stock market. Oh yes, yeah, sure. Let me bring that up. Uh, November. November, okay. So that's when you uh, got back in there, and I, I presume you haven't been out since, or uh, do you have a signal that says in or out of the S&P 500, for example? Yes, that's part of the uh, GEM model that's uh, I, given in my book. Uh, so it's been in uh, U.S. stocks uh, or international stocks since that time, except for one month. Okay, so even in 2011, it it stayed in, huh? Yes, it did. Okay. Well, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, You know, uh, and and how how do you combine, again, momentum uh, with um, the trend following or the different types of momentum? Well, momentum is... uh is both uh, trend following and relative strength. It just depends uh, how you want to define it. Momentum is made up of two components, relative strength and absolute momentum. So what I do is I look for the, the strong strongest asset. For instance, with my GEM model, I'm comparing the S&P 500 to the all-world index. And whichever of those has been stronger over the look-back period is the one that I prefer to, to have my assets in, but I won't be in it unless the trend has been positive according to absolute momentum. I so see. That, okay. that always takes precedence. You, you always want to 
respect the trend. So the trend is our friend. Okay, yes, as always, and, uh, until the end. Uh, so uh, we need to stop for our last break here, Gary. We're talking with Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. We'll be right back. Today's Financial Minute, we're talking with Mike McDaniel of Riskalyze. Mike, what do you have for us today? The investment landscape is fraught with stereotypes that hurt investors. So as you said, I'm Mike McDaniel, co-founder of Riskalyze. And one of the stereotypes that we see that damages investor success is the over-importance commonly placed on investors' age when determining investment allocation. There's ample evidence now that suggests that investors' age or even their time horizon isn't a meaningful foundation to blindly follow in a manner that would build an investment allocation upon. So Riskalyze technology objectively calculates investor risk tolerance and converts that to a risk number. And it's with that data that we're able to uncover some significant information that really shatters the practice of using investor age or time horizon as the sole foundation for asset allocation. So our data shows that between 26 and 53% of investors actually fall outside of their stereotypical age-based risk tolerance. So perhaps most fascinating to us is the glaring misrepresentation of investor risk tolerance at what I call the bookends, so those starting to save and those starting retirement. So our data suggests that 37% of investors in their 60s actually have a higher risk tolerance than their stereotypical you know, process would suggest. And perhaps more interesting to me and, and unfortunately more detrimental is the fact that over 25% of the 30-somethings out there, those who are in their 30, you know, 30s, are invested in excess of their risk tolerance, really priming them to make irrational decisions when, not if, markets fall. So the 60-plus-year-olds have a higher risk preference than the typical stereotypical uh, allocation methods would suggest, and the 30-somethings have less risk tolerance than what is stereotypically assumed for them. So Riskalyze suggests that stereotypes are not a good ingredient for fearless investing. Excellent advice here, Mike, uh, and certainly not the kind of thing that we're typically hearing. If somebody wants to learn more, how do they reach you? The easiest place to contact us is through our website at Riskalyze.com. Spell that for us, will you? R-I-S-K-A-L-Y-Z-E.com. Okay, or they can check out our weekly show on octalkradio.net. That Mike, thank you today for some very welcome advice. All right, let's get back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing. So, Gary, who are the kinds of people that buy your book? Who who was it? Who was the book written for? Make it broad so that it can help as many people as possible. Uh, money managers have been uh, prevalent in buying the book. I've gotten a lot of positive reviews on Amazon. There's almost 200 of them on there written uh, by professionals in the industry. But a lot of regular investors also appreciate the book. So easy to do themselves. Okay, great. So a question we like to ask uh, of all of our guests is here, what keeps you awake at night? I can honestly say that nothing keeps me awake at night. 
I know that I have a proven model that works well over time. You never know about the future. You can't be totally uh, certain about it, but I feel comfortable with what I have. I never lost any sleep yet. Well, uh, congratulations. Not all of us can say that here. Uh, No question about it. So uh, give us your contact information. People want to buy the book or, or get more information here. The best way to buy the book is to go onto Amazon and uh, put in the uh, the book title "Dual Momentum Investing." They can also go to my website, which is uh, optimalmomentum.com, and I have a blog in which I update information that didn't make it into the book and report other things that I think will be of interest from a momentum point of view. And that address is uh, dualmomentum.net. Okay. So any final uh, words for our listeners here, uh, Gary? Well, a wise person once said that investing is not rocket science, but it's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. And I think those are very good words. And uh, I feel if people want a way to harness it, uh, they should take a look at what I'm doing. Okay. Well, Gary, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and there's no question about it. Those are certainly wise words. So we've been talking with Gary Antonacci, author of Dual Momentum Investing. And, uh, uh, and this is a great book, and we can highly recommend it for all of our listeners. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.